שבוע טוב to all the listeners out there. Hope you all had a fantastic Shabbos and a great weekend. The weather proved to be very, very nice this weekend. We had a splendid time. With family um, in one of the botanical gardens this weekend, we were actually saying it's kind of like, you know, winter in Johannesburg, but it felt like spring. It really, really was nice to be out there. So I hope everybody had a good weekend. Um, in having said that, we are in the three weeks of mourning from the 17th of Tammuz that will culminate next week. Um, Monday night and Tuesday with Tisha Ba'av and it is a time where we kind of like hold back and go into a <clears throat> a national state of mourning because we are mourning the destruction of the temples of Jerusalem on the 17th of Tammuz the um, The Romans breached the walls and there was a very uh, a lot of fighting and um resistance that they encountered from the Jews that were found within the walls um of the city of Jerusalem until they were vanquished on the ninth of Av that not nice day in history where most of our national calamities happened, certainly the destruction of the first and second temple and many many other uh Other large world events, World War II started on that day. The Spanish expulsion happened on Tisha B'Av. So we are in a state of mourning. What it means is that we don't cut our hair. We don't uh, go buy new clothes. We don't have any celebrations um, with music, etc. And coming up tonight, sorry, coming up from last night, um, we entered into the month of Av. And the, the next nine days, ending on Tuesday, Next, next Tuesday night, we go into a more, um, a, a, a more constricted state, so to speak. We do not eat meat now for the, the next nine days, save of, except of Friday night and Shabbat, where we can eat meat. Um, and we restrict ourselves from bathing for pleasure, um, from washing clothes for pleasure, etc., etc. And I'm sure there's going to be many presenters that are going to be discussing that. So having said, hope you had a nice weekend. Um, our weekend isn't so nice when we are, we are constricted like that and that, that we need to actually be aware that, that we are sitting um, in a state of – we are in a state of mourning – Um, as, as we always go through this cycle um, year on year. And it's a time for introspection. It's a time for us looking together as, as a Jewish people um, and understanding, most importantly, what it is that we've lost. For many, many people, you know, it's very, very difficult to mourn something when we don't know what we're mourning for. And so um, we should make it our business, um, particularly during these three weeks, that we learn the laws of our What we're mourning and what are we mourning? We're essentially mourning the loss of our temple, the third, the, the, the Beit HaMikdash, um, which stood in Jerusalem, which, um, was, f- um, founded while well, the, 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 the seeds of it were, were laid by King David, built by Solomon, um, destroyed, rebuilt again the second time round by Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, and destroyed again, and part of our our vision for the world is obviously that we are looking for a messianic redemption we 're waiting for Mashiach ben David, Mashiach, the son of David, King David, who wrote the Tehillim, 
um, to usher in this messianic redemption. And part of it is the rebuilding of the third temple. Um, and one of the things that we need to do, and I'm not going to do it for you. I'm just encouraging all of you to do it if you're not doing it, is to learn about what was the temple. What did they do in the temple? Why does it mean so much? Why is it part of the redemptive process? And why should we be yearning for it? Why should we actually, in fact, be mourning for it? Because it is part of, of, of the, the picture, the future picture of the Jewish people. And it's not without coincidence. It's certainly by Hashkachapratit, by divine um, intervention and seeing God's hand that there is a tremendous amount of tension right now um, that we are experiencing in Israel, um, particularly on the Temple Mount, um, notwithstanding the tragedy that happened um, to the family that were enjoying a Shabbat meal this Friday night and their whole world was uh, ruthlessly taken taken apart, pulled apart um, by by a person who just took joy in slaughtering innocent people. But um, certainly, all the tensions that we see today, these modern day tensions, is not a modern day creation. This is not about the the, the green line and the blue line and the sixty seven line and the UN resolution. It's about a conflict that has gone and has happened for thousands and thousands of years. And um, if one wants to really truly understand what is going on on a real level, one needs to delve into the Torah and understand it from a historic point of view. And there's no better time to do it than now since we are in a state of national mourning and we are in a state of thinking about um, these things. These things are in front of us now. That's the energy um, that is in the world right now. Um, take Take your time. There are many, many ways, I'm sure, through Chai FM or any other um, websites and, and, and audios, there is, there's a tremendous amount of information out there. Go and learn and find out what did the temple mean to us and why, that, why should we be yearning for it right now, which obviously brings me into my topic, which is the topic of Tehillim. We have been learning um, – Chapter 118 for two weeks. We're doing the third part of chapter 118, which is the culmination, the completion of the set of Tehillim that we know um, as Hallel. Um, and of course, we know that King David was very, very much connected to the temple, connected to establishing Jerusalem as the eye of the universe, as the center of the world, as the place from which God's blessing um, would come out. So we're going to go for a short commercial break. And uh, when we get back, we're going to finish up, I think it is, the last maybe eight verses of chapter 118. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Right, let's get stuck into chapter 118. I think that we uh, finished up on verse 18 uh, last last week. We're going to start um, verse 19. And remember that this, ver- this chapter altogether was a chapter that was written by King David when he was celebrating the fact that finally, finally, his enemy, King Saul, who chased after him after him for so many years, um, was no longer. And he was expressing his relief that now 
Um, he hasn't got King Saul pursuing him relentlessly. And as he was ascending the throne, he was envisioning all the most, the, 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 the wonderful improvements that he, pl- he planned to make to enhance his kingdom and, you know, to, to, to upgrade the welfare of his subjects. Verse 19, actually, and if you, if, if, if you are looking inside and following while I'm teaching, you will see that this is the part where if you are a true and you are listening to the verses of Halal being said, people start uh, singing at this point in time. A lot of musical uh, liturgy is, um, a lot of music has been put to these words and they in fact are very, very beautiful words. Verse 19 reads as follow. As follows, Pitchuli Share Tzedek, Avobam Odeka. Open for me your gates of righteousness. I want to enter them and thank Hashem. So there's quite a lot of discussion amongst the various commentators on the Torah what this verse is talking about. Uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo, he says the following, if the righteous man is truly deserving, then the gates of heaven should be open for him by divine command, and a request is unnecessary. Again, it says, Pitchuli Sharei Tzedek, open for me the gates of righteousness so that I can enter them and thank you. So he's saying, why if, why do we require a, 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 a request? If the righteous man is truly deserving, then, um, the gates of heaven should open up automatically. And if the righteous man is undeserving, what does pleading help? So another commentator by the name of the Kiddushat Levi explains that this plea is reflecting the yearning of the righteous man who wants to ascend to new heights of sanctity and devotion. Because what happens when you look at a pious person, a person who's really committed to his spiritual path, when he reaches a plateau um, in his spirituality, what happens to him is that he hungers for more. He wants, he, he remains unsatisfied and he wants to, to climb even higher and get connected to Hashem even more. And that yearning inside that righteous man infuses him with the strength to o- overcome all the obstacles that are in his, his way. And there could be certain doors that are in fact closed and there needs a request to be made, to open them, to allow him to achieve absolutely even higher. Um, So that is one explanation. The Zohar explains differently. The Zohar explains that this plea is, is the righteous man's response to Hashem calling to all those who love him. Um, It says that God says, and it's a very, very interesting idea and something that we can apply to ourselves in our lives. God says the following, open your heart to me, even with the opening as tiny as a pinpoint, and I will open for you the massive gates of heaven. So this really is the righteous man saying, God, I'm opening up a a pinpoint, I'm wanting to get closer to you. I'm wanting to connect to you um, and hoping that Hashem will fulfill that he will open up the gates in the entirety and we would have a an outpouring. Now, what's very interesting is that if you look into the grammar, you'll see it says here, Pitchuli Sha'are Tzedek. Sha'are Tzedek is the plural, the gates of righteousness. 
Okay, it's not one gate. We're asking God actually to open up many gates. So the Midrash actually says a very interesting idea. Why is it many gates? Why are you saying to God, open up many gates for me? So the Midrash says as follows, that in the future, the angels will ask of man, of which mitzvah did you concentrate on? If the man answers, I fed the hungry, then the angels will tell him, this is the gate for those who fed the hungry. You may enter. If the man answers, I gave drink to the thirsty, they will tell him, the angels will tell him, this is the gate of those who gave drunk, uh, gave drink to the thirsty. You may enter. And the same thing will happen to those who clothed the naked, who provided homes for the orphans, who practiced loving kindness, or concentrated on any one of the 613 mitzvahs. So King David says, I've concentrated on all the mitzvahs. Let all the gates of righteousness open for me. So um, it's, it's, it's kind of a sense that when we, we get up to be judged after 120 and we come with a lot of mitzvot, there will be many, many openings, many openings of, and, and channels of blessing. What's interesting is that if you follow the next verse, you see that um, it swaps from the plural into the singular. Verse 20 reads as follows. This is the gate of Hashem. The righteous shall enter through it. So now we're talking about different gates. First, Pitcholi Sharei Tzedek, open up the gates of righteousness. And we're saying that if we've done good, there'll be a gate for every one type of mitzvahs that we're doing. Now suddenly he says, this is the gate to Hashem and who's going to go through it? The righteous. The righteous shall enter to it. So we're taught that there's one special gate and that's reserved for the truly righteous. And what's that gate? It's the gate of song. Because all those who enter there will fill their mouths with words of appreciation for Hashem's kindness. And this has got a very, very interesting idea to it because this is showing you the power of appreciation. And I've spoken about it many, many times on air, how we need to um, condition ourselves to stay always in a state of gratitude. Torah teaches us to show gratitude. We're obligated to say a hundred blessings a day. Okay. And, um, we need to always thank Hashem, even when things don't look good and things look like the, the opposite of what we would call revealed good. When we are faced with difficulties and challenges and obstacles and, and the not so good stuff in life, we need to thank Hashem. And it's, it's, it's a pretty high level to get to. Why do we need to thank Hashem? Because we know that Hashem is good and that everything He's doing, He's doing for our good. And whilst we cannot perceive it at this point in time by just saying Baruch Hashem, or as we've said in the past, Hodul Hashem Kitov, thank you Hashem for you are good, um, that level of appreciation is a very high level. And it is actually said as in, in the singular, Zeh Hashar Lashem, that's a gate to Hashem. Interestingly though, the Targum and Rashi, are two other commentators, identify this gate as a gate in the, in the Beit HaMikdash, in the, in, in, in the temple. 
Okay. Um, there was a particular a particular gate um, that was there that would lead to the house of Hashem, and it says that this gate will allow the righteous to enter through. They allow the, the righteous to go through it, and they will thank Hashem for answering their plea for redemption. So it's going to be a gate that's going to allow us to uh, to enter into. The, the, the area of the Beit HaMikdash, we don't know what it is right now, but it is going to be a particular gate that is, that, that we're going to find ourselves through. Very interestingly, there's a commentator that explains that Sharet Tzedek, the gates of righteousness that we spoke about in the previous verse, um, are called like that because they're the gates of Jerusalem. And the reason why he's saying Sharei Tzedek are the gates of Jerusalem, because in Yeshiyahu he calls Jerusalem Ir HaTzedek, the city of righteousness. And we're told that when at the end of days, which is not very far away, um, all of you out there, all the army, armies of Gog and Magog are going to besiege Jerusalem, the gates will be locked tight. And it says that refugees and exiles from all over the world will come to these gates and we are going to cry out, Pitcholi Sharet Sedek, open for me the gates of righteousness. Um, but says this commentator, his name is the Ya'avetz Hadoresh. He says only one gate will be opened and it will only be those that are deserving that will be granted air, um, entry. And they will say, Zeh Hashar Hashem. This is the gate for Hashem Tzadikim Yavo. Uvo. There's a very interesting Talmud um, that says the following story. It relates a story about Alexander the Great. Um, he, he explored the world, and it says that one day he sat by a fresh stream of water and he was eating salted fish, which had a very, very powerful fishy taste and odor. So Alexander took the salty fish and he washed them in the stream. And he was amazed to find that the fishy smell was replaced by an, an extraordinary fresh and, and, and delicate fragrance. So he figured that this, sea, this stream's source must be in the Garden of Eden. So what did he do? He carefully followed the stream to its source. And it says that he found himself sitting at the gates of Gun Eden. And it's, the, the 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 Talmud finishes and says, when the most powerful conqueror and emperor of the world, Alexandra, demanded entry into Gun Eden, and he says, "Let me in, like you know who I am. I'm I'm Alexandra the Great. I'm this. I'm that." Um, he he wasn't allowed in, and a voice rang out, denied his request, and said, "Zeh Hashar LaHashem." This is the gate of Hashem, and only the righteous shall enter through it. An interesting story about, about this verse. Right, verse 21 says, Otcha, this is where we start with the halal, Otcha ki anitani, I thank you for you have answered me, Vatihili lishua, you have answered me and you have become my Salvation. Now, here's an interesting twist. The word anitani. Okay, otcha, I thank you. Ki anitani, for you have answered me. 
both the Targum, the Radak, the Svorno, many, many commentators go and say that um, Anitani comes from the word Ina, and Ina means suffering, which if you want to just paraphrase what you're really saying, you're saying, Otcha ki Anitani, I thank you for causing me to suffer. Okay, what does this mean? It means that there's two ways to skin the negativity that we see in this world. We can perceive it as negativity and we can maybe fight against it and we can, we can, um, hate it and we can become more cynical and we be- can become more hurtful and we can, you know, feel just more pain. Or we can go and see that the suffering in it of itself is the salvation. Meaning there's many, many times that something Negative will happen in our lives and we ride that wave. We see it through and in 2020 hindsight, we realize that it was for our good. Like we actually experience good from it. We gain knowledge. We get experience. We see the world differently. It changes us. It moves us. The Midrash says it's like a man who made elaborate preparations for a long caravan journey and was bitten by a snake as soon as the caravan left the settled area. Since, says the Midrash, he was delirious with fever, his fellow travelers left him behind. And there he lay in agony and in despair, and he poured out, this poor abandoned man then poured out his heart to Hashem, to God, and he said, what terrible sin did I commit that I deserve such a miserable fate? And it says that he he burnt with fever for about five days, and eventually his fever passed, and he managed to get strength enough to return home. And a few days after that, he received word that the caravan um, had been destroyed in the wilderness. And what did he do? He said, Otcha ki anitani. I thank you for my suffering. Because had God not given him the fever, had not God allowed him to be bitten by the snake, he would have perished together with his fellow travelers. And there are many, many, many stories. Um, that are told. There's a contemporary one that, that I heard from a person. I'm not going to give persons or names, but the same thing happened. We can just, I guess, re-paraphrase this, the, the, the story in the Midrash um, that there was a person trying to catch a flight. Um, and the morning of them catching the flight, they broke their leg. They landed up in hospital. They sat in the hospital bed and they looked through the hospital window and saw their flight taking off. And they were so, so upset, um, only to hear much later that the plane didn't make it. It actually crashed and all on board were killed. Um, then that person's suffering in and of itself was, in fact, the greatest blessing. So when we say, Otchaki Anitania, thank you, Hashem, for you have answered me, if we translate the word Anitania suffering, we can say, thank you, Hashem, for my suffering. Vatehili Lishua, you became my salvation. Very, very important that, a very, very important uh, adage to look at. When you're trying to find something and do something and you keep on knocking against the wall, don't just get frustrated. Try to look and read between the lines and see what Hashem is really trying to tell you. The next verse is just as 
marvelous and great as the one before. It reads as follows. This is verse 22. Even masu habonim haita lerosh pina. Even masu habonim, the stone which the builders despised, haita lerosh pina will or has become the cornerstone. There's much to be said on this verse because there are many, many times that we've seen this verse being very prophetic and very true. Obviously, in terms of David, King David's lifetime, this says a lot about how his life turned around. Um, As you know that this verse referred to King David. He was despised, okay? He was rejected by his own father, by his brothers. They sent him out to watch the sheep um, in the hope that him being a youngster, being unprotected, will perish in the wilds. And uh, maybe he would be eaten by a lion or a bear. And when the prophet Samuel came to the house of Yeshai, and he said he's searching for the son of Yeshai who was fit to be anointed king. Okay, they presented Yeshai presented all his sons, and Shmuel just gave a no, no nod to each and every single one of them. Not one of the those people present there thought of even summoning summoning David. Okay, who was out with the sheep, and we know ultimately, of course, David was chosen as king, and he became the founder of Israel's royal dynasty, and therefore he became the cornerstone of the nation. So Evan Masu Habonim, that stone which the builders despised, Haita Laroshpina, became the cornerstone um, eventually. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Indeed, Evan Masu Habonim, the stone which the builders despised, did in fact become the cornerstone. And that really became something that was a message for King David altogether. Not only once did he see that he felt like he was at the bottom of the rung, but it was the very best thing that ever happened to him. A similar thing happened to him when uh, Bathsheba was initially rejected because the people thought David had committed adultery with her. And in the end, she, in fact, gave birth to Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, who was, um, king, who was in fact, uh, King David's successor. There's another interesting idea, and this actually um, is a description of the Jewish people as a whole. This verse describes the Jewish people as the whole. Um, Israel, B'nai Israel, are called Evan, a stone. Why? Because B'nai Israel, the Jewish people, um, and the land of Israel is the cornerstone of God's design for the world. And the world only endures by the virtue of the Jewish people's observance of God's laws. Um, and it's a fact which has influenced all the nations um, to, to appreciate and accept certain aspects of Hashem's commands. They, there's lots of nations that, that have, have taken um, themselves the laws of do not steal and do not kill and, and be honest, etc., etc. And uh, we are taught that if it was not for the order and meaning that the Jewish people brought to the entire world, the world would have long ago sunk into chaos. The irony is, and this is what King David is saying, and this is so very true, today and in history gone gone by, going all the way back to the destructions of the temple, all the way probably to the, the genesis of the Jewish people, the nations of the world never appreciated Israel's essential role in their survival. So the builders 
Evan Maasu Habonim, the builders despised the stone, meaning the the builders here is a metaphor for the rulers of the nations. They despised the Jews. They demanded Jews be expelled or annihilated. And uh, they claimed that, that, that Jews were, were, were just parasites who made no contribution to the common good. But there will come a time, even Masuabonim, that the stone which the builders despised is going to be what? It's going to be Haitala Roshpina. It's going to be the cornerstone, meaning when redemption happens, and may it happen soon, all the nations of the world will realize that Israel, B'nai Israel, the land of Israel, is the cornerstone of the world. And we will have that same experience as King David had, that there'll be a flipping of reality. And they'll see that Israel isn't a country that needs to be despised and 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 and. Um, you know, to have malicious fake news about them all the time. That in fact, it is us who have, who, who has and is and will be bringing a tremendous amount of good to this world. Verse 23 says the following, and this is again something that we need to know at all times. And I think King David says it over and over and over again in very beautiful and poetic words. But he's like drumming this theme into us so that we should live this reality. Me'et Hashem ha'tazot. This emanated from Hashem. He niflat be'einenu. It is wondrous in our eyes. So for David, when the despised David was anointed by Shmuel, by Samuel, it says the heavenly voice proclaimed, this one shall be king. And then everybody realized that David's anointment was Hashem's doing, and they marveled at David's sudden transformation from a lowly shepherd to a saintly monarch. So this verse follows on the footsteps of the previous one, that the stone that is despised will become the building block, will be the foundation stone. And when that will happen, you will have the reaction, me'et Hashem ha'itazot. From Hashem, this this is what it is. It's emanated from Hashem. It in fact is wondrous in our eyes. And the Midrash actually observes that David himself was amazed when he was so suddenly capitulated into, sorry, not capitulated, catapulted, um, to greatness, because look, he was a shepherd. He was a common shepherd. He was engaged in the most menial of tasks, and he was sitting there in the fields every day, painstakingly plucking tender grass for the young lambs, finding tall, hard blades of grass for the older rams. And it was Hashem that said, hey, this man is worthy of being shepherd for all my children of Israel. And when David was coronated when he was crowned. Everybody was gobsmacked by the metamorphosis. And not only were they gobsmacked, David himself was in awe that he said, this is even more surprising and wondrous to me than it is to anybody else. Nobody could have brought this about more than Hashem. Look, it, it, it was like an absolute flip of the coin. And this also runs true with the future, that there will be a time, may it happen very soon, 
that Israel will be catapulted to glory, will have glory, will have tranquility, and the nations that have persecuted the Jews will ask in surprise, aren't these the very Jews who were once despised and afflicted? And we're going to respond back to them and say, we're even more amazed than you, for we only knew the depths of degradation and suffering. And it says um, in the Torah that this is when we're going to go and say, Hashem, this is from Hashem. It's an absolute wonder in our, our eyes also. Verse 24 reads, This is going to be the day that Hashem made. We will rejoice and we will be glad. Obviously, this is talking about the future and the marvelous events that we will hope that will transpire for the benefit of Israel. Everybody's going to go and say, This is the day Hashem made. This is, Hashem has brought us to this day. Then we go into to, to verses that read as follows. Ana Hashem Hoshiana, Ana Hashem Hatzlichana. Hashem, please save us. Hashem, please make us prosper. Okay, first you can hear here, we're requesting that Hashem save us. What are we asking Hashem to save us from? From obviously all the negative influences and danger that surrounds us. And then we ask Hashem to make us prosper. So the Sforno, one of the commentators on the Torah says, Ana Hashem, Hoshiana, Hashem save us. What are you saving us? From the trials and the tribulations of the war of Armageddon, of the war of Gog and Magog. Hatzlechana, make us prosper and then let us be influenced um, by the righteous and holy scholars and everything that is going to be set up. Um, and so, this is what we say. We, we first ask Hashem, A, to protect us, and then B, to prosper us. And we are going to need both because first we're going to have to extricate ourselves from the negative, and then we're going to ask Hashem that he help us prosper. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And we're about to tie up chapter 118, just the last couple of verses um, read as follows, Baruch haba b'shem Hashem, blessed be he who comes in the name of Hashem, Baruch nuchem mi beit Hashem, we will bless you from the house of Hashem. This is a prophecy for the future. Because unfortunately, um, we are told that through exile, there will be many, many Jews that will become estranged from their traditions. They will no longer feel at home with their heritage. But by the time Mashiach comes, even the most estranged Jew will see the beauty, the importance, the need to express their Judaism in its fullest. Um, and there will be um, those who will stand, the teachers, the righteous people. Um, they will welcome everybody back and they'll say, Baruch Abba, B'Shem Hashem, blessed be he um, who comes in the name of Hashem. And where will they praise us from? Baruch Nuchem, Beit Hashem, we will bless you from the house of Hashem, because in the future you will see blessing and abundance pour forth from the rebuilt temple. And we will effortlessly enjoy unprecedented prosperity and contentment and even those that kind of like fell off the wayside will be will be coming home and will be coming home to the temple in Jerusalem where 
we, which will be a center of hospitality. It will be a center of blessing. The priests will be there to welcome everybody, and it will be a grand homecoming. Al Hashem, by Yair Lanu, Kel Hashem, Hashem is God. He illuminated us, meaning we're waiting for the time of Mashiach because now we're sitting in a state of darkness. We're waiting for Hashem to light the road. As we say, Let a new light shine upon Zion. Okay? Um, we, are, we pray that we will all speedily merit to see its light. So, Hashem is God, He illuminated for us let us bind the festival offering with cords to the corners of the altar, and basically what does that mean well let 's go tie the the rope the animal with ropes and bring it to the altar, but more deeply, and the altar the four corners of the altar symbolize the four corners of the earth, and in effect, we can kind of like look in our mind 's eye and understand that the four corners. The expanse of the earth is like one huge altar. And what we are saying is that when Mashiach comes, we will bring all four corners of the world to the Mizbech, to a place where we can have a real connection to God. And then the two famous and final verses, Keli Atta Ve'odeka, you are my God, Hashem, and I will thank you because when the light of redemption comes upon us, upon all of us, we will see that Hashem, Hashem is it. He is the one. Okay. Elokaya Romameka, Mahashem, I will exalt you. I will thank you. We're using the word Elokim here, which is when God appears to us in justice. We'll see that God's justice was just. It was true. It was right. We will praise him. And we end off as many times others that we've read in the Tehillim. Hodul Hashem Kitov. Give thanks to Hashem Kil Oilam Chazdo for his um, kindness endures forever. It ends off on an absolutely beautiful note. And it's uh, my prayer and wish that these nine days, which we are sitting now in communal mourning, should be turned to a time of Simcha. And in fact, we are told that um, this is a very opportune time for Mashiach to come and that the day will come when Tisha B'Av will not be the the saddest day in the year in the Jewish calendar, but in fact it will be the height of the Jewish calendar, the, the, the day on the Jewish calendar with the most celebrations because we will see the arrival of Mashiach and we'll use this time to celebrate the arrival of Mashiach. May it happen quickly in our days. Have a fantastic week.